Today in Movie Rollers, we talk about Bullet Train and Nope. It's time for Movie Wallers. Hi, this is Joe. Hi, it's Rashmi. And Yosdi as well. Movie Wallers is your weekly dose of film reviews, movie news and general banter in theatres, on DVD, online streaming or in the back of an airplane. If you love the movies, this show is for you. Happy... Five... Hundred... Episode, guys. What, what, what? When did this happen? How did this happen? That's a lot of talking, guys. That's a <laughs> that's a lot of time that's together. Of that's that's like, given that our ep- our average episode is half an hour to an hour, mm-hmm. like that's that's a lot of talking. That's a lot of podcasting. Yeah, that's two hundred and fifty hours. I don't think I've which listened- is you know fourteen days of nonstop listening to us. If somebody wants to do that, I thought you were going to say about talking to each other. <laughs> that, there's a lot that's of that true. too. Well, anyway, um, this I is think there's more talking than listening sometimes. For sure. I'm, I'm very guilty of that. <laughs> I just want to make my point and I ignore what, I <laughs> what the two of you have said. I think the three of us do that. We're I think all equally. Anyone that listens to us is completely used to that. But anyway, con- happy anniversary, guys. Happy anniversary. And Yay! for those of you listening, for those, many of you uh, friends of ours have, have come along with us for, uh, for the ride here. So um, I'm going to give you applause thank you listeners thank you for um letting us do this right letting us be what this is if uh, if if, uh, if nobody listened i think we would quickly be out of business and lose all of our press credentials so thank you all thank you for being um movie rollers can i call you fans that is that presumptive listeners all right listeners, listeners. listeners. All right. yes thank you fake audience yes who clapped so i know <laughs> and we have a and, As you know, always. The other statistic that keeps oh. blowing my mind is 12 years. Yeah. Like, you know, this was... We're watching each other age. It is funny, actually. Yes. Because we, I think for episode 400, I, I videoed and put on YouTube. Yes. Well, not, I should have done that today if I thought about it. But nonetheless, uh, yeah, we even even that was a couple of years ago. And, yeah. Uh, that was pre-pandemic when we all looked a lot younger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And slimmer. And... Yeah, well, definitely slimmer. I'm still packing my COVID-20. Anyhow. The protein was all black on our heads. Yes. <laughs> we had well, I, I pay for mine to not to be, but... Um, the protein the protein hair protein. Yeah. Yeah. When when I had protein on my head. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> Back in the day. But anyway, we have cake. Yes. yes. What, 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 what was this cake? It's, mine's gone. I don't even... <laughs> mine's already mine. gone. No, no, but it, it came from the, the Mitsuwa. It came from the Japanese bakery at Mitsuwa, which is the Japanese superstore in San Diego. And uh, it's... Treasure seems, trove of delights. Oh, it's like really layered. Just packaged. Just the packaging alone is, you know... What yeah, you, you, you took a picture of it, so we should definitely make sure that goes on our Instagram account. But yes. <laughs> I'm taking a picture of this this layered. It's like one of those, you know, those. It was all the rage on TikTok and Instagram. These 
crepe cake. Very thin crepes. Very thin. Layer and on top you of each literally other. do like a hundred right. layers, and it's like one of those, but it was a ring. I'm this going in. I haven't so had any good. yet, so this I'm, looks I'm, like I'm good. going like in. Fluffy and vanilla flavored and spongy. Not very sweet. With 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 a with a dollop of tea, it's perfect. Ooh. Yeah, it's very it's so very florally vanilla. There was also a. Uh, your saliva I can Sorry, hear your yeah. saliva yeah, it's, it's, it's delicious it's delicious you're right it's not overly sweet no mm-hmm. and it's good with the figs oh yeah thank There's... you thank you to our dear friend Hanan who picked fresh figs off the tree and gave me a bucket full of them it's so good with that I'm telling you cake with figs is the best with, and with wonderful tea this is high living this is the best yeah. <laughs> this is almost do you think we'll make it another 12 years <laughs> if we eat like this well, I don't want to make it another 12 years if we don't eat like this. Yeah. <laughs> True that. <laughs> and uh, well, imagine uh, let's let's shoot for episode 1000. Yes. Um another 12 years <laughs> at which point hopefully um the movies will be back into full swing and we'll be back to weekly podcasting because we haven't been and I apologize I've been a little sporadic in terms of uh putting episodes out into the world. We record them and then uh, work has just been uh, very, very intense for me this past few couple of months. So um, we're getting back into our cadence and uh, the, the episodes will come up a bit more timely. But. For sure. All right. And hopefully the world will not have imploded by then, by the time we get to <laughs> a thousand episodes. It is, it is, it, you know what? We should actually think about doing a... I, I, if I get around to it one of these days, I'll, I'll like montage a few clips from our episodes over the years because we, we've definitely progressed. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know that say, we've gotten any better. No, I don't think we have. But <laughs> I was going to say, what are some of your highlights? Oh, God, you put me right in the spot. I know. I, I, I we think, didn't prepare this section at all, but I just wanted to kind of get a sense of what are some of the things that you remember? I remember our 100th episode where we did a live one. That was That's awesome. Right. That was yes. excellent. And with I, the improv. With that the was improv brilliant. That was wonderful. That's right. I should put a link to that in the show notes because that, 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 that was a fun episode. And it was. It was in front of a live audience. I think that was 200. That was, was 200. Because was the 100 was with our friends Mark and Gary. Gary. And we had the cake. And they made a cake, a 100th cake. That's right. Yes. That's, is that the one that's on the website? It, it's yeah. on, on, the, yeah. on the Facebook page. And, and yeah, Gary made a, a customized Movievala's looking cake for us. It was I, lovely. I remember that. Amazing. Thank you, Gary. Yeah. yeah. Still, still, a, still a supporter of ours. Dear I friend. It. I remember all the food we've eaten at film festivals as part of Movievalas. I remember that with a lot of fondness, be it Tribeca or yeah. LA Film Festival. I think, yeah, I was going to say my first, IFLA, yeah. one of my fondest memories was the first time that we filled out an application to cover a film festival and got accepted. Yeah. It was like a magical moment. It and, was. And we were like, oh my word, we're legit, right? We had the, the, the list of of downloads that we get and we'd had a body of work at that point yeah and we, we we did these applications and they were so earnest and in they went and they came back and we got press badges which was um that was that was amazing yeah, yeah. i just love hanging out with you both and talking Aww. about movies i think Me it's too. just the most fun and i remember that feeling when we're super tired having watched you know tens of movies in a day at and a film we come festival. Ba- at a film festival, we come back, we come back to our hotel room and it's like being, it's like having a slumber party. We usually have had a good meal. We come back and then we're so exhausted. And then Joe says, we have to record now. Mm. We're like, really? Can't we wait till tomorrow? And he makes us do it. And I'm so happy you make us do it. And 
it's just so much fun. It's because it evaporates otherwise. Well, yeah. <laughs> It does, and then next next day you are We'd adding do it again. five more movies to your brain space, and it's going to unless you record right away, that's going to yeah. be yeah yeah. No, I think that, uh, we haven't I, done a film festival. Uh, I guess we did Ifla somewhat this year, but it, Yasti, yeah. but it wasn't. But it also wasn't the full Ifla experience yeah. because of, of how it pandemic um, because of pandemic pandemic. Yeah. But you know, definitely uh, and oh. all the amazing people we've got to meet just through doing movie wallers, people that have. Absolutely. You know, people that we've interacted with through like the actual filmmaking process, through the um, through different yeah filmmakers, filmmakers and actors, supporters directors, and actors and directors, live and, audiences we've yeah, gone to, and just people that we've met who are passionate about movie and what a great experience! I yeah. love movie wallers. I love doing this. And that time we did the red carpet once in yes, Los Angeles. Yes, the with, GMC LA with Awards. And yeah, yes. which yeah. if anyone is interested is available on our YouTube. There is a YouTube slash movie wallers. We don't really post to it much, but the, the some of those clips are great, and they've gotten quite a lot of views. I think the um, Melissa Etheridge Melissa Etheridge clip is like in the eighty thousand views or something, hmm. or maybe no, eight thousand views. It's it's still you know yep. it's, it's a healthy number for for something we've never made any attempt yeah. to promote. I have to say our recording is often the highlight of my week. I love it. I Me look too. forward to it. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I love that. Sorry, there's no end to this. We could talk about for an hour. About <laughs> I know what, I what we love. But I love that we are at a place now where any one of us can, I would say, easily watch. 20 or more movies which have been sent to us through links and other other places we are to our movie wallas account and we just don't have the time to watch them so much stuff is coming at us and we have to be you know because we all have full-time jobs we have to be damn those full-time ju- very judicious but what a luxury yeah it what, is what, what an honor yeah it is a great place to be thank you yeah. for and sorry one to, last thing oh my goodness i'm still me. surprised at how i can't always predict your responses, how you're mm-hmm. going to react to a movie. And I love hearing what you both think about movies. And I love that you both educate me sometimes. Mm, sometimes. Likewise. Not always. But sometimes you really? educate me on like seeing a movie from a different perspective or a different lens. And it changes my view and my experience retrospectively of watching that movie. So thank you both. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we can, again, Spe- we can talk about it for hours, of- but... You know, that movie we saw, the Coen Brothers movie, A Serious Man, where I came out of that movie and I was like, I didn't understand a bit. It was just entirely random. And then our good, good friend, uh, Sandy, Sandy. Our dear friend, Sandy. Provided so much perspective. In context. From, yeah, from a Judaism perspective. And the whole movie opened up for me. I love it when that happens. Yeah. And, you know, you think, you, you know, we are so cocky and we think, oh, this is how I feel about the movie and that's that. And then... When somebody explains it to you, suddenly, you know, things kind of start to open. And, and a lot of that has happened to me since I watched Nope. But we are going to talk about that later on in this podcast. Oh, I like the segue. No, no, it was for real, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was that, was that a clever segue, Yasti? Um, no, Hurry it was, up. No, it, was, it was a real thing. <laughs> Great. Well, anyway, thank you for those of you that have come with us on this journey. Uh, we hope to continue. Uh, thank you for support and listening to us. And... Uh, Here's to more movie wallers. Uh, movie wallers forever. Woohoo! All right. So. Recommendations. Uh, are we doing recommendations? Yeah, it's 500. I am so not ready. Because we have only two movies. Yeah. Although we may take some time. Yeah. Okay. 
I can go first. You I have to go, go first because I need to find one. <laughs> I know. I was like, I'll go next. <laughs> There's a panicked look on my I know. face. I was like, I didn't do my homework. So for the longest time, a lot of people have been recommended that I watch this show on Netflix called Heartstopper. Mm. And everybody said, oh, it's the sweetest thing. It's the cutest thing. It's very popular with the young ones and so forth. And um, I started watching it and I kind of fell under its spell and I can understand why it's, um, you know, it's gained such a kind of, a, you know, following and such so much love for it. And it's really set in a, what do you call it, a British uh, grammar school? No, yeah. British grammar school. Yeah. Where... Um, I went to a grammar school. Yeah. And um, another reason why I wanted to watch it is because I heard that Olivia Coleman was in it. Ah. And I'm like, you know, she's always good. I need to watch it. Everybody's been recommending. And it's this sweet, sweet story about... A, a episodic br- episodic only eight episodes 30 20 22 minutes each they go by very quickly and it's about this kid who is gay in 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 grammar school and he's not openly ridiculed but you know he's kind of he feels a bit of an outsider and then he has a crush on the the lead rugby player in his you know in his school ah. and the two of them develop a friendship and the whole time it is like is he just a friend? Is he more than that? And it kind of goes from there. And uh, Olivia Coleman plays his uh, the rugby kid's mom. And ultimately, it just becomes... It, there's a hundred ways this kind of thing can go wrong. It can become sappy. It can become like lecturing. And it just maintains the right tone. It's very, very sweet. It's got an excellent soundtrack. I've gone back and kind of... Um, shazam down- Downloaded. Oh. Yeah, shazam and downloaded three or four songs from it. And, you know, it, it has a lot to say about everybody just getting along, but it also it, it, it speaks to a better world. And like the parents in this are so, they're not part of the story, but they are so the right parents. So is again, it comedic? I think, is it comedy? No, or no it's not comedy. It, is it's it a just drama. Romant- drama? It's drama. It's about teenage angst. And I think it's about growing up and just being different and figuring yourself out. Yeah. And it's set against, you know, this English, very English grammar school environment. And uh, it's very contemporary. I, I just really liked it. I think there's so much negativity and so much meanness and so much cynical, you know, so much cynical content. And this is a sweet, sweet series. So it's called Heartstopper. It's nice. on Netflix. British series. Eight nice. episodes. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So I'm going to recommend... Um, Actually, it was the part of the Netflix comedy specials, the com- comedy festivals. And you you guys know I love Instagram and mm-hmm. kind of spend my life, half my life, wasted wasting my life on Instagram. But I did come across this comedian called Cristela Alonso, oh, yeah. and I found little snippets of her, and they made me laugh out loud. And then I realized that she had two specials that she'd done on Netflix. So I'm recommending both of those. The first one is Cristela Alonso, Lower Classy. And then the follow-up to that is one that she just did recently live called Middle Classy. And she is hilarious. I mean... You're lucky if you get some respite from not laughing. Um, And even though she gets pretty serious and heavy at times, it's all done in such good humor. She is a brilliant comedian. I just love this woman. I'm going to follow her. And I think she's actually coming to San Diego soon. So um, I'll be dragging you both along. I think she's coming in October. 
My introduction to her is from uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the quiz show on oh, NPR. Yeah, yeah. And I always look forward to it every year. And she's often a guest panelist. She's on it. so She's smart. very good. And she's, she's very infectious. And she's sweet. always laughing. Always. And she has this cackle. Like, I just like to listen to her cackle. It makes me feel good. Yeah. I didn't know anything about her yesterday. I'm kind of embarrassed yeah. I didn't know anything about her. And then... Um, She's she's just so funny and she's got such a unique lens on the world and just brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Her claim to fame was I think she was the first Latina woman to write, produce, direct and star in uh, ABC show called Cristela, which ah. I think it was cancelled after a season or two, but it was on ABC, I think mid 2000, uh, 2014, 15, something okay. like that. Yeah. Brilliant. Yes. Brilliant. Good. And the two of you completely failed because we're not recommending movies. <laughs> no, anything. It's, I'm it's called, I the am segment kidding. is called I Can't, I can't Find Anything, anything to, to Watch, watch on, 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 on VOD. So I did find a pick while you were doing that. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to begin with an apology. It's not a movie? No, it is a movie. Oh. But the apology. It's about cars. No, it's a Christopher <laughs> Nolan movie. Yeah. No, no, no. no. This, is, this is actually a serious moment. We forgot because we were talking about our 500th episode, to acknowledge our dear friend, Beth Accomando, yes, who helped us celebrate our 500th yes. episode of Movie Wallace with a live she event did. down at the Cinema Under the Stars in San Diego. We did a celebration of Bollywood and Indian cinema, which was a fun thing that we've done so before. Fun. But thank you to Beth for organizing, catering, cooking cakes, doing buttons, banners, badges. Everything. And it was a lovely celebration with many of our close friends here in San Diego. Who men- paid. Who paid for the privilege, yes. Yeah. Thank you for friends who came and supported. But uh, big special thanks to Beth for organising it and your energy and endless um, enthusiasm for everything to do with um, movies and cinema and movie wallers and film fests and all of the above is Comic-Con. just... Comic-Con. Uh, is just... And yeah, I think um, I think he. Yes, you were telling us she yeah, got Be- honoured. Yeah, Beth is inexhaustible, and for those of you who don't know, Beth Takamando is the lead film critic for local NPR station KPBS, both radio and television. She is truly inexhaustible. She did everything for this event, right? She sold tickets for it and she did banners and she made buttons and she arranged for Indian food, popcorn. And, yeah, popcorn with Indian spices, and she did. Uh, she made us a wonderful gulab jamun cake and then she baked naan katais and oh my god yeah 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 so and beth has been very kind to kind of uh, invite the movie walas on many of her uh, midday edition kpbs radio programs over the years so you know and you are fine representation yasti thank you yeah. so many many thanks so many many thanks to beth and and you are um in part, that was an inspiration. Uh, that remembering that was an inspiration for a movie that I, I actually recommended in person to somebody. So we, we did this event. It was all about Bollywood and Indian cinema. We picked some clips from favorite movies. And, and we were sold out like a we week in advance. sold out, yes. I know. Super cool. Thank you, everyone. Um, so my pick is a movie that I recommended to uh, one of the guests at the event. We, we showed a clip of it at the very end. It's a very visual clip. Mm. And it's the movie Padmavat. Mm-hmm. Um it's a, a movie directed by Sanjay Leela Bansali, uh, a very visual director. This movie is grand beyond grandiose in terms of its ambition and visual splendor. It's a controversial story in, in, in many ways, which we won't need to get into here. But um, it's, it, you know, it's, a, it's a wonderful, classic, old Indian story. It, 
has uh, songs and visuals unlike anything that I can remember, um, anything else kind of being comparable. I don't think Hollywood can can do this. It's more Wes Anderson than Wes Anderson. Well, I mean, but it, in a it, different in, in way. A sense of, in the sense of it's very you know, very perfectionist in its nature about the visual composition. So, yes, I don't think it's as fussy as Wes Anderson. Yeah, it's not it's as just, twee as Wes Anderson. It's very it's epic. It's not twee at all. It's grand. Yeah. Epic. But it's visually composed with... But it's visually very... Absolute precision. And, Great and soundtrack. Choreography. I mean, it's just... It's a, it's a spine-tingling movie for me. Um, it's... And it ends, you know... Uh, it's just it, it just bolt, builds and builds and builds. So the movie is called Padmavat. It's available on Amazon uh, if you have Amazon Prime. Uh, and look, if you're not a fan of, or if you don't think you're a fan of Indian movies or Bollywood, give it a shot. Um, it's actually very, you know, um, it's very broad in its accessibility. I think it's a classic yes. story. It's a it, it's, <clears throat> not, it's not really a fairy tale, but it has that kind of old epic, like you say, uh, feeling to it. So I'll. You know, if you think that, you know, watching Padmavat was a waste of your two hours, I will come and, you know, clean your bathroom for two hours. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to go to that that extent because it really is so compelling a story. Every character on that film is is exceptional um, and it's just like candy for your eyes. I mean, you're, I mean, watch it on the biggest screen and, you know, it'll be like you ate a giant meal. It's so gorgeous. It's breathtaking. And yeah. Um, and it, it does have a... Yeah, it, you know, it's based on a folk story, which many people believe might have been the truth, but the ending is brilliant and the great Deepika Padukone plays the lead um, lead queen in that movie. It, it's a historical kind of story. Excellent. Yes, and she looks like a million dollars in that oh, movie all the way through. And the she, costumes, it's everything. Just, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just a, a spectacle. It's a sight to behold. I love it. And the same director just released his movie, his latest movie on Netflix, which is Gangubai. Mustang, which is fantastic. Which is also very good. And that one's on Netflix if you want to. But I say watch Padmawat. Yeah, Gangabai is actually very good as well. Um, much much less ambitious in its scope, yeah, yeah. but nonetheless, no no less compelling or, or, or effective a movie. Yeah, and of course, I know this isn't a review of Gangubai, but I am a complete Alia Bhatt fan. fangirl. And she is, I mean, there is an Oscar moment in that movie. If mm -hmm. it, I, I'll go as far as saying, I hope... I hope India submits this or someone recognizes Alia Bhatt as a best actress. Yeah, I'm willing to submit. You watch Padmawat and you will then go about seeking every movie this film director yes. has made. And yeah. everyone, everyone is going to surprise you and make you be happy to be alive that somebody's making movies like these. Just amazing. Yeah. Okay, so our three picks are Yazdi. Heartstopper Rashmi. on Netflix. Cristela Alonso, two of her comedy specials on Netflix. And Padmavat, which is spelled P-A-D-M-A-A-V-A-T, on Amazon Prime. All right, time to get down to business. So we've got two movies. We're going to talk about Nope and Bullet Train. But here's what we pre-agreed at the mm -hmm. beginning of the podcast, is that Nope is almost impossible to talk about without spoilers. So we're going to do that one second, and there will be a spoiler alarm partway through that review to remind everybody that the section after that is going to be filled with spoiler with spoiler talk so um without further ado let's jump into bullet train yep rush me so uh bullet train is um a new movie it is directed by david liked i don't know how to pronounce leech, it. leech david leech um 
Five assassins aboard a fast-moving bullet train find out their missions have something in common. Um, and this is written by Zach Olkowicz, um, but it's actually based on a book. Uh, a Japanese book. Yeah, a Japanese book um, by Kotaro Isaka. Um, and it stars a whole host of people. I'm not going to give away all the surprises, but um, build is Brad Pitt, Joey King, Aaron Taylor Johnson, who we haven't seen in a while, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, Brian Tyree Henry, Andrew Koji, Hiroyuki Sanada, and Michael Shannon, amongst a few others. Um, and some high-profile cameos. With yes. Cameos which are super secret. Correct. Yes. And we should add that the director also was responsible for Deadpool 2 and Yazdi, I think one of your mo favorite movies, Atomic, Atomic Blonde. Blonde. Yeah. And he actually broke on... He, he used to be a stuntman, actor, and he was in a lot of movies in the 90s and 2000s. And he was the uncredited co-director of the first John Wick movie. Ah. Um, so right. he worked, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, since then he's made Deadpool 2 and Atomic Blonde and Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. He directed that one as well. Yeah. Ah, okay. So who wants to kick off the 500th episode? First review. First review. <laughs> Yazdi. Yes. Um, I went... So we missed the screening for this movie. So, you know, we watched it after the movie was released. And I went in with some degree of trepidation because the reviews were kind of mixed on this one. And so maybe I had low expectations. I don't know what it was, but I got on the train and I took the ride and I was so happy for it. I, I mean, there are, <laughs> there are, I can see where people have problems with it. And to be honest, the first half an hour, I was ready to trash the movie. I was like, what the hell's going on? This movie has no sense. Things are just randomly being thrown together. It does this quick cutting. It's kind of, you know, on steroids. And there's so much flashback. And there are too many characters. And I'm like, oh, I understand now why people are having a problem with it. But after the halfway point, man, I got on the strain. I got on the strain. <laughs> I really liked it. And yeah, if you want to call me shallow and, you know, whatever, <laughs> that's fine. But I enjoyed the heck out of it. It all came together beautifully. Joe? I'm not quite as enamored by it because I, I, I really felt the movie was very smug. <laughs> it, it has this... And smarmy. Yes, it is. It, it, it kind of self-congratulatory all the way through. It's got this kind of uh, tone of like, you know, we're not we're not even going to try and do this seriously. Um, nonetheless, it's 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 very entertaining. It's it's funny. Um, it's surprising, and I I think at the end I concluded that uh, this movie must have been based on a graphic novel of mm -hmm. some sort. And I don't know that that is true, but it has that feeling of um, very stylized, hyper violent. Um, you know, um, fearsome characters. And so, you know, overall, I'm going to say I did enjoy the movie, but it, it, it rubbed me a little the wrong way with its kind of self-congratulatory, you know, aren't I clever type thinking, right? It didn't quite pull off the Coen brothers because the Coen brothers can come like that too. The, who, el who else directs like this? Um, Guy Ritchie, Tarantino. Guy, yeah. all of, all, For but, sure. But, but they don't, that they don't seem to pat themselves on the back quite as much as this movie seemed to be doing from from frame one till the credits rolled. Yeah, I'm I'm exactly halfway between you. I mean, for me, I wrote down this is Kill Bill meets Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, um, and it really felt like a mashup of a Guy Ritchie Tarantino movie. Mm -hmm. um, but I agree, and I love 
I love Brad Pitt in this movie. I love Aaron Taylor Johnson in this movie. But I agree with you, Joe, that even though everyone is spectacular, it almost becomes a little tiring just towards the end. And I found that last half an hour just a little bit like, when is this going to be over? Because it was almost like too much of a good time. It was like going on a roller coaster three times in a row. Um, you kind of need to get <laughs> off and just kind of collect yourself and then jump back on again if you want to. But I, I wanted the ride to end by that last half an hour. But I loved it. It's so entertaining. It's so entertaining. Yeah, I mean, I... So this this movie has a lot of plot, and it you know it a really lot does a lot of plot. It really and does the fact that this movie clocks in at two hours and nine minutes is just an amazement. It it seems like a much longer film, correct? And it really feels because there's so much which happens and there's constant flashbacks. See, I felt it went by like quickly. I mean, mm. I felt we were in and out like that. I'm surprised to hear it's over two hours. Yeah, it's two hours and some wow. some minutes. Okay, I must have enjoyed it. And I completely get what you're saying in that the movie at every point thinks it's more clever than it actually is. At every point, it's like, you know, you won't get half our in-jokes, right? And I actually had a, I, I went to see it in the best theater at the AMC Mission Valley, which has this beautiful Dolby. Um, the IMAX. The IMAX. And I had I had a problem. Maybe it was the English accents. I had a problem fully understanding. I don't know if it was the sound design or what it was, but I'm, half the time I couldn't understand what they were saying. Mm. Um, but in spite of that, I think it is kind of like a Guy Ritchie meets Tarantino thing, but I like the idea of movies which are contained within a particular space. Me in too. this case, it's all on the on the bullet train. And Rashmi, you and I have been on that same Correct. bullet train from Tokyo to Kyoto. We and have. So I have a, and I'm sure as have you, Joe, but... Um, not yet. Not yet, but... I so I had I had felt some kind of kinship, but Me there is too. but there is so much cleverness at every 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 time the train stops at a station, there's some key thing which is going on. Um, I adored the Aaron Taylor Johnson and uh, Brian Tyree Henry characters. They were kind of these goofy pair, which kind of they're also cruel assassins. But I think the MVP of this movie is Brad Pitt. I mean, I think. Totally. Let's not underestimate his ability to carry this movie. Any yes. other actor would not have been able to pull it off. Yeah. He has this laid back charisma and he's kind of trying to be Zen-like through the whole thing. He refuses to carry a gun and he, sometimes he does. Like there's a part towards the end of the movie where he actually says, insert something wittier. I mean, he's constantly trying to be too cool for school and he almost goes over it. But, you know... He, he makes it seem very easy, but it's not. Yeah, it's it a, feels... Sorry. Yeah. All I was going to say, it's a reprise of the character that I think we saw the making of in Once Upon a Time in mm -hmm. Hollywood. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a very similar vibe to me, at least. Sure, there's a very laid-backness as opposed to someone who's trying to act. It feels very like, I'm not really trying to act. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I also like that... Um, the movie kind of dips into a lot of it feels like you're you're turning the pages of a comic book right it feels very yeah. much like like a graphic novel right some it of the has, scenes right 
Yeah, it has that kind of chapter structure, and the chapters are punctuated by stops along the way. I mean, I, I all the time I was thinking, why is this? Why does this have to be on a train? Obviously, it's hermetically sealed, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, which you know gives you that sense of, of claustrophobia. And I couldn't quite get the geography, the layout of the train. Mm-hmm. You know, how some some movies are very clever about yeah. giving you that sense of space. To me, I couldn't tell which carriages were forward, which were backwards. When people were walking up and down the train, I, I never had the real sense of 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 the the three dimensional um, landscape, you know, the theatre in which we were in. I never I never quite understood that. That's definitely a failing of the movie. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the you know the, each stop is on on the you know the train stops periodically. That you have these very you know because it's Japanese and it's bullet train. The, the stops are very precisely timed. Doors are open, and so that lends itself to you know. A good device. Right, because the train only stops for one minute at each station. And so whatever has to happen in that has to happen within one minute. So yeah. it does use that. It's a really I- fun little thing, little shtick that it does. But then it, then you go into the next phase and then revelations mm-hmm. are provided. Because like you say, at the beginning of the movie, it's a bit of a mess. It's hard to follow. And these characters um, don't. You, you don't know who is doing what to whom. It pauses, partic- you know, for a particular time and flashes up a title card saying, you know, this character is, you know, the Hornet or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and then it gets into its thing. And you think, well, what's the what's the relevance of that? Right. right and you only get that a little bit later. And I do like that it works very hard. Mm-hmm. So you're in this train, but then those little vignettes of each of the characters is a fully formed little movie of its own in some ways that lasts anywhere from you know, one minute through like three minutes and you get like a whole backstory. So I think it's clever. It's almost too clever, mm-hmm. I think. It, it's almost By like far. throwing so much at you. It's like sensory overload. And I think, Yazdi, the point you made about the accents, there were, there were actually two people who left the cinema within about the first 12 minutes. I actually made a note. Oh, they were um, walk-outs. Yeah, they I were walk-outs. I didn't so, catch that. Um, it was kind of like when we went to watch... Um, Oh, that my favourite—the Guy Ritchie movie, yeah, the boxing one where Brad Pitt's in it. Snatch. Snatch. Oh yeah. And there were lots of walkouts. It had that same kind of feeling. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. There's a very kind of London English accent of two of the characters. Yeah. Um, and I would love to see a movie just of those two characters, Lemon and Tangerine. Like, I would love to see that movie. They're great characters. Every character was so well formed. Joey King. What a delightful! Yeah, I haven't seen her like that. Fully realized character, unexpected. Yeah, I didn't feel that way until the end. Um, but yeah, I think at the end, then you kind of understand the character's motivations. Up until then, she's just uh, you know somewhat opaque to me. Very cool, but but you know, again, it, it speaks to my frustration with the movie, which is. I feel like its storytelling could have been better, right? I feel like the construction of the movie by revealing certain bits of information, I would have rearranged that a little bit so that I could have had a little bit of the backstory rather than constantly having to put things together. It was too much hard work. And I feel like they deliberately scrambled it, not because the story demanded that, but just because they thought that's a really clever thing to do. Why don't we hide this information and reveal it later? Whereas I think a bit more linear would have, linearity would have actually done the movie a better service because it would have built more. But 
Yeah, and I don't know how much of it is the filmmakers and the script versus the original source material. Mm. Right. <coughs> and so is the source material a comic book or graphic novel or something? Mm-hmm. It, it's okay. a novel. It's, it just it's, says it's, based it on the book. book by Kotara. Has Kotaro that feeling. Isaka. Yeah, it has that feeling definitely. There is a character called Wolf in it, um, played by the... <laughs> great. By Bad Bunny, the, the singer. And... I just want to watch his movie, yeah. right? I mean, Each one so of great. those. Each one of them. And so it felt very Tarantino-esque. The other reason it felt ter- very Tarantino-esque is because this movie, I don't know what the rating on it is. It's R-rated, but it's brutally violent. You know, you, you, you ask somebody to go watch a Brad Pitt caper called, you know, Bullet Train, and you think it'll be this fun thing. Heads are being chopped off in this movie, and I think that comes with this. He he makes pretty brutal, violent movies. John Wick director. John Wick director. Like, um, know what you're buying. I here. didn't do a body count on this one like I tried to do for John Wick that time. Yeah, um, but, but I imagine it's up there. So yeah. be prepared for that as well. There's there's a I mean, and <laughs> and, <laughs> and there are parts when the violence is played for laughs. Actually, all the violence is played for laughs, and that kind of initially I, I laughed along, and then I'm like. What are you doing? So they're, they're, it's not a perfect film by any, by yeah. any means. But, yeah, but it, I, the I, choreography is great. Those yes. fight sequences, some of them are really innovative. For sure. Especially because the they're train. in a small, yeah, exactly, in a small space. And there are some things which beg, you know, they beg uh, yeah. logic or whatever. You know, there's, there's a and place that, where somebody, at one scene, somebody like from the outside of a running bullet train jumps on the front of it and it's like, yeah. come on, you'll be thrown off in a second at the speed at which the bullet train's going, but still. And that's the thing. I mean, I feel like if you're going to do that, then set up the rules of the world so that that is okay to do because I feel like the rules of the world here were were not clearly explained at the beginning. So, you know, the, the, these that's a kind of a superhuman ability, which is okay if that's the universe we're in. But it felt like, we weren't in that universe because everything was somewhat well, we came stylized. To be in and it. We came, we came to, be. to be. I think halfway yeah. through you realized that yeah. well, that's, that's what this is. That's the, the white Agree. death. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Everything is like a comic book heightened, like the bad guys. I know. And, yeah. and I did. Yes, you bring up a really good point. The fact that we'd been on that, not on that very train, but, but I, I was like, journey. so yeah. um, it really pulled on my heartstrings <laughs> when I saw the the little catering cart. Yes. And I was like, oh my god! Remember we had those? Sn- it was great. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's one of your favorite anecdotes. And I, even though I haven't been on the bullet train, I know I've heard both of you talking about that experience. And as soon as that uh, that lady with the cart appeared, I was like, oh, that's exactly as Rashmi tells that story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Okay, let's wind this one up. So, Yazdi, why don't you give us a score? Um, I I very reluctantly became an admirer of this movie. I I. I didn't think too much of it. I, I went in not expecting too much. And then through the first hour, I was like, this is crap. And then the movie won me over and it won me over big time. And it's been 24 hours since I've seen it. And I still think of it and smile uh, because, you know, it just made me smile. And I think, yes, it does overstay its welcome in the last, maybe cut chop off the last five, 10 minutes. But, I, you know, when all we are seeing these days in cinemas is, you know, you know, Marvel. remakes and reboots and sequels. I welcome anybody who's taking original material, bringing in original characters. I love Brian Tyree Henry. He's an American actor and he puts on, to the best of my knowledge, great. a great British accent. And he's, you know, he's a very unusual character. They all are. Eight out of ten, easily. It's a fun time at the movies. Joe? 
Yeah, I may have made it sound like I had a lot of complaints here, but bottom line is this movie is thoroughly entertaining. Um, it was a, the perfect antidote to uh, the end of a work week for me. I went to the movie theater and was immediately unplugged from my daily strife and looked at, at, at the, at, um, you know, was, was on its kind of journey with it. So I have to say that this would have been a six this would have been a six out of ten for me but for the brad pitt performance mm. which was no perfect endlessly charming and really really entertaining you're right yesterday i think the movie is elevated by his presence and so i am going to elevate my score to a seven good because of that yeah i'm i'm solidly in the seven eight camp if we had halves i would give this a seven and a half which i will back down to a seven this was very entertaining it works so hard to entertain you it wants you to have a good time go out and see this one this is delightful this is a delightful movie very violent violently delightful i don't know if that's a <laughs> yeah. a, a verb but a, an adjective but and you know for all its faults if you don't go and support a movie like this and buy tickets then all you'll be getting is sequels so it's your fault yep sorry avoid sequelitis <laughs> <laughs> all right Let's then move on to Joe's our favorite word. Next movie. <laughs> nope. Yeah, I do like to say that a lot, don't I? Mm-hmm. I need to remedy that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, so, um, who's introducing this one, Yasdi? And before we get into the thing, I think what we will do is we'll describe the movie, say whether or not we think people should go see it, do the spoiler alarm, and then actually and then do our review, review. Because. Yep. Honestly, this movie has been marketed with some opacity by, and deliberately, and I don't want to ruin the experience Agree. for anyone who might be interested in seeing it. Agree. So. Okay, so like he needed any um, introduction, uh, Jordan Peele uh, first burst onto our consciousness uh, through his comedy, whole bunch of comedy series that he did with his partner, his comedy partner, Michael uh, Keegan-Michael Key, and Key and P ran for, I think, about three or four years. Did you uh, say on Key television. and P? No, Key and Peel. That's what it's called. Key and P. I was like, <laughs> no, Key sorry, and sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> and then, that is funny, though. And then Jordan Peele uh, made this little horror movie called... What get it called? out! Called Get Out. And that suddenly put him on the map. Everybody, you know... Like it was like a third eye opening for everyone. He got a lot of, he won a lot of cultural cachet and an Oscar and an Oscar. Yes, a uh, best uh, writing Oscar for that movie. And um, since then, he made Us, uh, which was a far more ambitious effort. Uh, it's the one with Lupita Nyong'o in a double role. If you remember that from a few years ago, and so naturally for his third movie, the expectations were sky high. It, the whole movie was shrouded in a lot of secrecy, and it continues to be marketed with a lot of secrecy. You're not meant to know much about it before you sit down in that theater seat. And so once we're done with the introductions and giving our general opinions, like Joe mentioned, you're better off, you know, not listening to us and maybe coming back after you watched it and listen to it. Listen to us. So this is the third movie from Jordan Peele. And um, the sole writing credit is Jordan Peele. So this is completely his baby. And the simple, uh, very, very uh, vague one-line <laughs> description of the movie is, the residents of a lonely gulch in inland California bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. 
Uh, the movie stars Daniel Kaluuya, Kaluuya, who he obviously collaborated with on his first film, Get Out. Uh, Kiki Palmer, who's been bouncing around Hollywood and television for a long time, gets a leading role here as uh, uh, Daniel Kaluuya's sister in this movie. And uh, Brandon Perea, who I haven't seen much of, rounds off as the third person. And then there is... Uh, Many, many other uh, famous names and supporting actors. Stephen Ewan is in this movie, as is Keith David and others. So by now, lots has been said, lots has been written, a lot of ink has been spent on this Including movie. Including yours, Yazdi. Including mine. You should see my notes. I saw. <laughs> I have notes and notes on this movie. <laughs> um, okay, first reactions to Nope. Okay, so I don't understand the hype. I don't think it brings anything new to the genre. I think it's very tightly packed and nothing quite delivers. It's a bit of an ambitious mess. Okay, Joe. Yeah, here's what I'll say is um, it, it, it's been marketed with, you know, some deception. Um, and it's really, it, it's quite something to see right in terms of um you know yes you made a recommendation to us to go see it on a big loud screen so we did um and that was the right call but i don't think it achieves its objectives because ultimately the movie remained beyond my reach and so i couldn't i couldn't connect with its and i'm going to say supposed greatness because i feel like there was a concept here that was aiming for greatness but I, I never and it didn't work for me on that level so um you know it's it's not a it's not a compelling movie for me to recommend to anyone yazdi yeah i think the the biggest problem with the movie is one of script um i think this so you know he wrote us and i which was the second movie and was substantially more it was almost an extra dimension from where get out was it's so much more complicated to this date I don't understand us completely. Me neither. I don't know what exactly happened. But I still admire it for everything that it's been. I think he's trying that again here in Nope. Only this time he's even less successful than he was with us. There are lots of, you know, I'm going to be a little bit ungenerous and say half-baked ideas. There's yep. lots of half-baked ideas. And he thinks that, it, that all of them fit each other with a nice click. They don't. Because... I walked out of the cinema um, feeling a little disappointed. Um, I think if the, you know, I think he's kind of backed himself into the same corner that M. Night Shyamalan did. And we can talk about the influences in this movie where people expect, you know, some big twist, some big reveal, some big surprise. And the more he plays into it, the more he's backing himself in that corner because maybe he just wants to make a romantic film. Maybe he just wants to make you know, a blockbuster. Maybe he just wants to make a movie about kids in a school, whatever, but he can't do it anymore because yeah. the expectations are so big. Mm. And I think this, in many ways, is far more successful as a summer blockbuster than it is as a Jordan Peele film. If you just want mm. to go and watch this movie as a spectacle, um, I think it works. I think the last half an hour of the movie works. I mean, I think the, to give credit where it's due... And the reason why I asked you guys to watch it in a big theater is 
the craft in this movie is just off yes. the scale. It's just off. I mean, you have to see it to believe it. Just the sound design and this, the crunching of metal. Um, you know how he uses sound for you know to scare you at different times. That's all brilliant. And I think at some very basic fundamental level, the movie kind of fulfills its objective and kind of if if all you want to be is entertained. I think if this were not a Jordan Peele film. Peel film and we just saw it we'd be like huh it's pretty pretty amazing looking film we'd but say it's not bad it's not bad and you know he is so so like you this was my reaction and then the reason why i'm giving this movie more credit is because in the weeks and weeks since after i saw it i couldn't shrug it off because there's so many question marks like there's a whole subplot to do with a chimp there's a whole subplot to do with Stephen Ewan and I'm like why is that there and then mm. I've been reading and reading and there's so much speculation on the internet as you might imagine like this is the connection and this is what means and this is what probably what happened and I'm trying and I I get the connections now but you shouldn't have to work that hard you shouldn't have to go to the internet and read up on stuff so maybe we need to address that in when right. we when we do the spoiler yeah, well, let, let's do this um, because I think yeah. uh, I need to be educated for sure. Then, <laughs> yeah. all right. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna play the sound effect, and those of you that wish to see Nope, stop the podcast here. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. Come back to this when you've watched the movie. Um, everyone else who's seen it, continue listening. So sound effect three, two, one. That wasn't very loud. <laughs> that was a bit of a failure, wasn't it? I think I pressed the wrong button. Let's try this one. Woo. Okay. okay, we are now firmly in spoiler territory. Okay, so Yazdi, educate us because... What was this about? What was this about? Yeah, I love... I mean, I like the story of the chimp. I called it a monkey. And I get that it's about voyeurism, but I didn't understand how that fit into the greater movie. So, Go on. And my next big thing was... So I love the visual trickery that we had with... And Hoyt van Hoytema was the cinematographer here. He's uh, very well known for his collaborations with Christopher Nolan, so he knows how to do big and spectacular. Uh, and because so much of this story is told visually, I think the cinematography really, really banged on it. But, okay, so ostensibly this movie, to me, read and played out like a sci-fi blockbuster. Mm -hmm. um, flying saucer with a twist. I love the idea that a flying saucer isn't a spaceship but could be a being um but like you say yesterday that ended up being half-baked because we didn't really i mean it ended up just being a monster that you can't look at as opposed to some other like i wanted to know more right where did it come from how did it be you know how why why is it there Sure. I mean, you know, why do space invaders come in? Like, I mean, they don't. Have, they don't necessarily need. It, but yeah, I guess there is a reason that it should be there. There's so, always a source they're looking so for. All all of this ended up being frustrating, and I left the movie very frustrated. That's my my biggest sentiment. Was like, you know, that was cool, but like, Urgh. so tell us. It, yeah, it took me a while to figure out, and I guess the big reveal in the movie, if you can call it that, is the fact that what we have been seeing for two hours as a spaceship is actually not a spaceship. It's an alien being, which is shape-shifting. And even then, I had a big problem with that. I mean, I, the last half an hour of the movie shows that that alien being, spaceship, whatever, you know, 
turn into different forms, mm. right? It becomes like a jellyfish at one point. And at one point, it's like billowing curtains. Yes. And I'm like, I'm like, the spaceship was like a saucer, which almost demolished like this whole building. One time he was in a, yeah. you know, he's in a horse shed and he's almost killed by it. And, and, and then that spaceship, eventually what happens to it is it just, again, we are in spoiler territory. It just swallows like... Itself. A, it swallows a rubber, like a inflatable toy, and that causes it to kind of choke. Choke. So I, I, I have a big problem with the yeah. whole design and all of that. But I think this is the points um, Jordan Peele is trying to make. I think he's definitely commenting on how poorly Hollywood has treated African Americans because you know at the very beginning it's about how you know the first film which was shot was about horses that were shot by an African American. It's about how. Um, it's an African-American riding a horse. So right. it's a very famous image of the guy on yeah. horseback. That right. was first. That was the first motion picture, right? That was the first image that was shot in sequence yeah. and then played in sequence like yeah. a flicker book to make a moving image. Right. But you're right. I had no idea that that was a black guy on a horse. Right. Pretty cool little fact. Yeah, yeah. And also how it's never made out to be a black guy on a horse. So we should know that, right? Right. And so I think the, the whole thing about them being on this ranch and them not being able to be hired by Hollywood and they're mm -hmm. kind of suffering, it's, I think he's making comments about how Hollywood in general treats African-Americans. Fine, that's one thing. Another thing he's talking about definitely is about the dangers of trying to control nature or control another being. And I think that's how the spaceship fits in with the whole chimp story because you know with the chimp as well they were trying oh, to put the chimp okay. you know put the clothes on it and make it kind of act in the sitcom and ultimately it's a wild being hmm. and i think it the same thing happens and you know the little kid who grows up it's not even just a wild being it's an intelligent being correct but we've seen that before with we've seen that before like, of course what was that uh the one about the yorkers black uh, blackfish. Yeah, blackfish. I sure. mean, we, yeah, I get it. But that was a documentary. I know, but we get it that. I yeah. You know, I, it doesn't I, add anything. It doesn't bring anything new to me no, in terms no. of the genre of horror. No, and I yeah. Or thriller, or. Yeah, and I think, I mean, there is one one bit where I where I read that, and I don't believe that that's the case. That you know, that the first time that chimp goes on a rampage that's mm -hmm. what starts the movie is actually probably the first time the spaceship showed up several decades ago and that's what triggered the chimp to go uh, on a rampage okay that's what i was thinking that there but must I, be some connection i made no but i i don't think there's anything in the movie to indicate that right yeah i, I would think go on no i there was nothing there to say that that no, was that that would be the case well i figured that might be the case because otherwise why have the story why start with that? But I think, you know, what, what triggers the chimp is those balloons popping. So I think it's, it's us trying to do things with creatures we don't understand. And it's the same thing for the spaceship. I mean, this kid grows up to become the Stephen Yeun character. And in spite of what's happened to him as a child actor, he's still obsessed with, you know, trying to somehow... I mean, he's been purchasing those horses to offer them as you know to bait to, as bait to bring it in mm. and that becomes kind of his undoing um i also understand a lot of the movies about our current social uh, 
uh, obsession, social obsession with capturing something which is going to make you famous, right? A good portion. So, so you know, they right. see something and instead of running away or calling somebody else, their instinct is let me make, hmm. let me let me get famous. Let me get it on social media. Right. So it's the social media obsession of fame that let me capture something that, you know, that nobody has captured before. And that, through the end of the movie, I mean, when she's trying to capture the last image of it, it's this obsession with capturing something which mm. kind of reflects. But you, again, you shouldn't have to work that hard. And I also think in a way he's saying that the act of good filmmaking is the same way because you're constantly trying to capture that perfect shot. You're trying to capture that perfect thing and how it's kind of ineffable. It's hard to capture. If you, if you, if you take it another, another level, he's definitely saying something also, you know, when you last, when at the very end you see the the spaceship or the alien and all its spaceship slash alien and all of its glory, it's doing this thing where it's kind of opening into these square blocks. Yeah. And I think it's like it's taking photos. The, the spaceship is kind of taking photos of us. So it's like we... It's trying to do to us what we are trying to do to Oh, it. my God. So there's a lot here to kind of parse, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> Why not just tell us? I mean, that was the beauty of Get Out, right? We knew right. something wasn't right with the world, and then we learned what that was. Yeah. And the movie... Was elevated. Was elevated. I think yeah. this is his attempt to make his contribution to the alien being coming to Earth for the first time genre of movies. So it started with Close Encounters of the Third Kind with Spielberg. It started with M. Night Shyamalan doing Signs. And then, you know, what's his name? Did Arrival, uh, Denis, Denis, Denis Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Yeah. Villeneuve. So he's trying to do the same year, but I think this, by any means, you know, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Arrival, and Signs are far superior films than this one. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he's being as successful from that perspective. I will grant that there are some parts of the movie which are really scary. There's a whole bit in the movie where you can actually feel the bodies getting sucked into this being and they're all screaming in agony. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. The yeah, but then the, they seem to be pull, being pulled through silk sheets, right? So <laughs> they're for something, eaten alive. Yeah. I know, but the, for something that is as sophisticated visually, to then do this kind of old school special effect where... Yeah. Where you're almost looking down a bathtub... Yeah, it was a, dream, a really yeah. it was a really odd visual choice to make. I mean, you know, there's so much CG within the movie to to do the the thing in the first place. Why then did they return to these old school effects of basically what looked to me like curtains, you know, people being dragged through old curtains and somehow <laughs> screaming and being devoured. Right? They were not like, being dragged through old curtains. That's what it looked like. And, it, you know, but, but, uh, and that, the, when the alien exposes at the end and you see these things, it's like, okay, billowing sheets. Right. What a strange visual yeah. choice to make rather than something that could have been any organic in any other way. I mean, you, know, you could argue that, okay, that's clever, that's innovative, we haven't seen that before. But you could also argue... Did they run out of special effects budget? <laughs> right? No. <laughs> no, of course they didn't. Right. But that's how it felt. I didn't I didn't feel any arc. I didn't feel any change from the beginning of the movie to the end. I didn't 
get a sense of any satisfaction. This felt like a really undigested <laughs> meal for me that I just couldn't, I, I didn't feel satiated at all. I felt so disappointed coming out of this movie. I just thought, what a waste. <laughs> Really, what a waste. I, I, I just think, I think what you said, Yazdi, at the beginning, which is Jordan Peele has the weight of the world on his mm -hmm. shoulders. And I think he needs to do exactly what you said, which is go and make that romantic comedy. Go make, yeah. you know, the school drama, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Do not make another horror movie because it's not landing. Yeah. There's, there's also so, I mean, if you go on the internet, there's so much debate about what happened to the Antlers character, you know, this this weird cinematographer. Well, he gave himself up. He gave him, and I'm like, why did he give himself up? To and, get the image. Right, to get the shot. So, so this is, you know, our obsession. We will, we are willing to, and I think he gave himself up because at some point they realized that this spaceship slash alien cannot digest metal because it, it's always spitting I mean, it out spitting it out and and you know their father kind of dies from some strange metal oh, that's falling. true it's the coin. Coin. Yeah. coin so probably that's some digested material falling and so presumably he he realized that because his camera was this old school camera that if he gets sucked up the creature would spit out the camera and there would still be documentation. I, I don't know. But it's, again, this obsession with fame that we have. And I, I think yeah. that's the point he's trying to make. But but it's, it's too not, deeply buried. And I think ultimately that's the, the movie's failing is that if that is the thing here, then then help us out, right? I mean, you might... Yeah. It, you know, it's kind of like me saying, I've got a great story in my head, you know. Um, you know once upon a time, the end. You work out the middle, right? Yeah. I mean, no, I have to tell you what my story is, and I, and I don't I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's just too 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 buried, deeply buried within his. Uh, it's kind of like I said with Bullet Train. Bullet Train was too smug, right? Bullet Train was like, you know, aren't we so clever? Look at all this stuff. Here, he's trying to almost say, I'm so damn clever that you will never be able to work out my secret, right? Like, um, one of the comments here was, it's a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma and it never quite unlocks its own internal logic. That's by Alan Core from RTE Ireland. But that's exactly how I felt about this movie. There's something going on here and I didn't know what the hell it was. And then I left the movie and I was like... I didn't care about any of the characters either. Couldn't enjoy it because I didn't understand All it. All the characters were so one-dimensional. They were so... As, I mean, honestly, they were just such cliches. So he is trying to... This is his, I don't know, his version of an homage to the American Western as well as the American, you know, first interaction with an alien movie. 1950s alien right. invader type thing. So Daniel Kaluuya is like... He's the lead and he's, he's behaving like your typical cowboy who doesn't yeah. say much and he's very stoic and... You know his face. He can emote very well, so he's he's a good lead. But it, it, he becomes very very uh, in, impenetrable, and then yeah. Palmer kind of overdoes her bit to kind of keep yeah. up with it. But even with their relationship, we never find out why they have a rift between the two of them. It's not really very clearly outlined. And then all the other side characters, they're all very one dimensional. And then the other character is a is a salesperson from Fry's. <laughs> so that's the I mean, it's so bizarre. There's like. A I cowboy, know. his sister, and then the salesperson and from this, Fry's. And this mythic cinematographer. Well, he comes in later, Late. so it's just, 
But like, oh, okay, that's strange. Isn't Fries out of business now? That's that's exactly it. So he, this film was made during the pandemic, but during the pandemic, Fries went out of business. And I think that's probably why he selected Fries, because, look, I miss Fries, okay, <laughs> right? I, I do. No, I really miss Fries, because I, there was nowhere else. There was no other temple of, of geekery and glory that I could... You know, now I have to buy everything from bloody Amazon. I could go to Fries and put hands on things. So for the longest time... So I think I was, that was a statement. Maybe, yeah. And for the longest time through I the movie, think so, but okay, <laughs> I was struggling to figure out what, where is this film set in the, in a time frame? Is it set in the early eighties? Is it set in the two thousands? Because people were using flip phones. At some time, they're using VHS cassettes. Why, if it's set in twenty twenty two, why are they using VHS cassettes? I, I, I think, I think he started off thinking this movie would be set in the 80s or 90s, and then at some point he decided that, no, it's going to be contemporary. I don't know, that that part didn't yeah. jump for me as well. Um, We're really bashing on this no, movie. No, I, I, trust me, I think any movie which makes you think so much afterwards, I'm still thinking about it, I'm still going, you know, down, people write, this is what nope actually means, according to me, and I enjoy reading that. So I'm enjoying that, how much brain space it's taken for me, and that we're talking about it for half an hour right now. Mm-hmm. So you know, remember that movie on um, on Amazon called I'm Thinking About Ending Things? Yes, I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Thinking, that was, again, a movie where you have to figure everything out, and I still don't know what it means. But I kind of enjoyed dice or trying to untangle whatever 40% of it that I could. That but was I, the I one think, with the four people. But I think, here's the thing, here's the difference. The Jesse yeah, that Buckley, was fantastic. Jesse yeah. and but, Jesse. but here's the thing, that one was layered, <laughs> and upon first viewing you were able to enjoy that top layer right. and then subsequent to that you were able to think deeply about some of the metaphors and deeper meanings and alternative interpretations this didn't have that top layer for me mm. right so I, I was looking at a, a, a jumbled box of puzzle pieces where the director seemed to be saying you figure this out Right, I'm not going to help you. And but he did that to a certain extent with Get Out, but we were able to figure it out. But us, he did that too, where it's which like... Which was similarly frustrating other than it felt more entertaining. And, and, and it know, was scary. And there was some jumpy, there was, scary But moment. there was also a narrative throughout exactly. us. That and Nope is not nearly as complex or as, um, as ambitious as that one. It's it's actually a pretty flat story if you can make all the connections. But the narrative is not compelling. No. And there's no characters to care for. With us, we were frightened for people and that we cared about, right? There's Here I didn't really I, I I didn't really worry I didn't have any connection with anyone so that if they and when they were ultimately, you know, gobbled up or not I and didn't, didn't care. Yeah, and there's so much about horses. I just, I still don't understand. I haven't seen a movie be so much about horses since like <laughs> The Champ. Remember that movie about the kid and the horse? But it's not yeah. about the horses. I don't know. Why, why, the champ, is the, yeah. why is the first hour, it's just about horses. And, well, I, I will admit that there is a terrific scene in 
in a stable in the night when he suspects something and he goes there that that scene really scared me and it kind of plays off funny eventually you know you know the yes. well, and i think the scene with his father is very well, we're in spoiler territory yeah. so yeah the yeah. little kids as aliens right that yeah, was that, that was, was very that beautifully evoked, done that evoked signs yes. for me and uh, yes it was kind of really whoa. and you know with close encounter again i think he's really paying homage to lots of movies and close encounters of the third kind you ultimately figure out that you know you can communicate with this with this being through music in in signs you realize that ultimately the undoing of the of the creature is water if you you know if you throw water at it it dies or whatever and in this one it is like the undoing is that if you don't look at it it doesn't attack you but and that, it doesn't like inflatable things and it doesn't like so plastic it just, it just felt it didn't it felt like somebody just added something okay this is the kryptonite for this you know spaceship slash alien so yeah, yeah. which is well, a great concept by the way i i when when the idea was first suggested in the movie and i think it was suggested before it was revealed i was mm-hmm. like oh that that's something new i'm like this is going to build to like you know the, the the idea of this thing that we view as some kind of a craft you know what's inside it what the pe- to the, the fact that it's actually a creature and that it could just morph st- st- but also just stay there in plain sight hidden um was fascinating like i want to see that movie yeah. where instead of little green men inside spaceships you know who's to say why does an alien from another planet need to be humanoid and come nope. and, and no they could be as big as boats uh and 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 yep yeah I mean, I but if you're that powerful, too. then what are you waiting for? Exactly. I mean, why why does it need... Because it, not, it doesn't necessarily need to be intelligent, right? It just could well, be Well, it flew big. all the way from somewhere else. Because it was hungry. I mean, you know, like bugs, you know, birds... Okay, Joe, don't go there. ...travel across... <laughs> no, but seriously, we, we like turtles aren't super intelligent, but they travel thousands of miles to breed on specific beaches. Like, it could just be that that's what it does. And she's still a cool idea, but... Yeah, and if he's saying that we should not be arrogant and cocky and we should not try to, you know, try to understand the ununderstandable. Don't look up. Don't try to think you can capture it. You can can document it. Cool idea. There is unknowns in the world all the time and humans are foolish and you will pay a price if you try to control or understand the unknowable. Cool. At that level, it works. But again, you got to work your head up into a froth before you get to that point. Yeah. yeah. Okay, can we stop talking about it now? <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's sum this one up. Joe, you go first. Uh, just frustratingly impenetrable and all really, and really not that compelling in the moment. Now that we've talked about it, I've gotten mad, right? Now, now, I am. I'm irritated more than I think I was at the beginning of the review because um, nothing you've said, Yasti, um, resonates for me in the sense of, oh, I could have figured that out if I had been more awake or been more intelligent or I felt like all of the stuff you've told me is really cool and really interesting but it wasn't there for me to grasp so um I'm really 10 point scale I know I'm frustrated (laughs) I'm it's very compelling to look at but not I can't recommend it I can't say somebody go watch this five five out of ten having done all your research thank you yeah having done all my research and I again the very fact that 
a month after having seen this movie, I'm still talking about it. I think grudgingly I have to give some credit. I mean, it's not some random... I mean, Bullet Train, I'm going to forget in a week. I'm not going to forget Nope in a week. I think I'm still going to be trying to process. So it's doing something right. And I think purely as an aliens invading planet Earth movie, as a summer spectacle, I think it works. Uh, if if you don't want to, you know, stress your brain, you know, it's it's got cool scenes. I really liked you know, different aspects of it. I, he's still, like Shyamalan, a master at conjuring up fear. Mm. Like the whole, there are many scenes with the chimp doing its business. It all happens off camera and that's very anxiety inducing. So he's very good at that. I just think he needs to rein himself in. I don't think, this is by far his weakest movie. I just think he should make a simple, straightforward movie and not try to do a social commentary. Not he, He's very good at that, but he's getting into territory where He's, he the could boat do is that sinking, right? The boat is sinking by all the baggage you're bringing on yeah. it. So you know, just less baggage. Uh, seven out of ten. I think it. I think as 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 a spectacle, it works. Nope, 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 <laughs> nope. Can do. Um, four out of ten. Oh wow! Really? Gosh, that's harsh. It was such a waste of my time. I felt I can't believe it's at eighty something percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it really? Yeah, I from the critics the and then like sixty something by the audience. So. Yeah, I mean, for me, The Emperor Has No Clothes. Me I mean, too. You know, I, that's not to say that there isn't something here, but I couldn't find it. I also think, give me a an overambitious, unsuccessful, ultimately a little failed spectacle from an original thinker such as Jordan Peele, then give me another sequel, right? I mean, this summer, every movie which has made a ton of money has been a sequel or a Marvel movie or something. So if I step away, even a failed Jordan Peele attempt to me, at least it's somebody writing up new content or new stuff. So I have to give it a little bit credit for that as well, even even though it's not, it may not be fully successful. I've had people you know, come up and said, I loved it. And I've had people come up and say, what the fuck? Yeah. What was that movie from a few years ago? The guy ultimately ended up directing Godzilla. Was it Monsters? Yes, um, yes. It was Monsters, yes. Yeah, that that movie was, was very difficult for me mm. uh, to to enjoy. For many of the reasons that this one was, it, it felt very distant from what it seemed to be doing or saying. So, uh, yeah. All right. Gareth Edwards. Gareth Edwards, thank you. Yeah, he ended up... Um, he ended up going into the studio system but as an independent filmmaker he made this movie Monsters which uh, was very much admired and I couldn't get into it and maybe there's something like that going on here <laughs> alright should we endeth? endeth here alright well again episode 500 if you've made it to the end of this I think and it was like 500 minutes it was we, we had a chat didn't we <laughs> uh, but that's what we do and we hope that you uh, enjoy listening to said chats. And, and let us know what you thought of Nope or Bullet Train. Yeah, yeah. But we should put maybe put that out on the Facebook page or something like that. See if we can get some someone to bite. Um, and we'll do some viewer comments. But yeah, thank you again, always, everybody, for your support. Um, I completely failed in my mission to rewrite our theme tune, so... <gasps> Uh, I came up with a with a with a with a with a tune sketch on the plane, but then when I listened to it, uh, having got off the plane, I thought it was terrible. So <laughs> back to the drawing board. Um, but it'll come, it'll come, it'll emerge. 
when I'm inspired yep. by something. I right. also, by the way, had sorry. I also had a hard time listening <laughs> to the dialogue oh in no. Did you guys struggle with? You know, yeah, I did. I just there is a sound mixing. There's a sound mixing issue problem that I agree. Bullet Bullet Train had that. I forgot to comment to your comment on that, but yes, and but, no padded too. But nope, definitely. Yeah, but that that felt by design. Yeah, yeah you know, characters were soft spoken and mumbled. Um, right, kind of like me on a bad day. Yeah, <laughs> on a good day. Anyhow, thank you everyone. Thank you all. Too many movies, too little time. A goodbye five hundredth from me and me, and happy five hundredth from me as well. Mm.